To me, you are perfect. In honor of the Love Actually Limited theatrical re-release, what holiday movie needs an expedited December re-release? I'm Katie Rich, and I'm really just throwing away money here, but the Alamo Drafthouse needs to do some rowdy screenings of Nancy Myers' The Holiday. Maybe everyone's in their own blanket fort while they watch it. There's The ideas are limitless. I'm Matt Hatches, and with a new Ardman movie coming soon, Chicken Run 2, uh, I have to think of one of the somehow more overlooked Hardman movies. I feel like they're all kind of overlooked, but I'm going to say <laughs> Arthur Christmas is especially overlooked because it's not stop motion. It's 3d animated, but it's still delightful and it's hard to find, but you got to watch it during the holidays. Put it back in theaters. It what is, the fuck is Arthur Christmas. Exactly. Good movie. Great Good movie. Is great holiday movie. <laughs> hey, it's me, Dave with the seven. And this is partially has to do with trial by contents, holiday Royale uh, coming up this month. But, uh, Die Hard, because I rented it digitally today, and that transfer looks horrible. I know they have a 4K fucking version. I would like to see it. But it's like Arthur Christmas, his name? Arthur. Yeah, his name is Arthur Christmas. Christmas. I think it's on Max, according to my the, Google. He's the son like, of Santa Claus, but his last name is Christmas. Uh, I don't know if he is. I, I was hoping you were going to say Christmas. either he's the son of Sam or he's <laughs> the son of Lloyd Christmas from... Uh, Dumb and Dumber, but you this said he's actually their paramilitary elves. It's it's a little uh, complicated I, now always, that I'm remembering. This. Always lose me at paramilitary elves. That sounds like some real <laughs> illumination <laughs> entertainment shit. I am it's not interested. It is better. Uh, it's better than that. Show it to your children. No, uh, I am David Ehrlich, and I feel like I am. I am duty bound by the Talmud. To say Adam Sandler's Eight Crazy Nights, a movie that I don't think I've ever gotten through uh, in one piece. Um, but, you know, options are limited. I'm not exactly feeling... Well, what about the, uh, like the Night After? You have that great oh, yeah, the sweater. Night, you know, The Night After is a good movie. I really enjoyed that movie. It's the Night um, After or The Night Before? I don't remember. The Night Before. It's The Night Before. It's The Night Before. The Night Before. That makes more sense. The Night After would not be much be of a uh, And... <laughs> You know, for years, my favorite piece of swag was Seth Rogen's sweater from that, that I would know. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you lose it? Didn't lose it. Uh, not really feeling like wearing it would be fun uh, at the mm, moment. Mm. These are important um, times to support Hanukkah. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah um, I did, you know, in lieu of in lieu of having some very complicated feelings about well, we don't need to conflate my uh, my people <laughs> with my face. Round, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our favorite speedy. I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna try and save it. I I have been. I ordered my favorite Hanukkah book as a child to read to my son, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, and it turns out that book fucking blows. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. uh, like the after we read it the first time, I was like, Asa was like, I like the goblins, and I was like, can we just never read this book again? And he was like, I don't know, I like the goblins. Um, this I mean, never the, happened. The illustrations is particularly the king of the goblins. Where is the queen of the goblins? I do not know. Uh, maybe that's why he's so angry about Hanukkah. He's lonely. But the illustrations have stuck with me and have some staying power. Uh, the story itself is dog shit and uh, poorly written. And I, I am resentful towards, you know, thinking that this was something near and dear to my heart for so long. So you should write a Hanukkah children's book. I feel like the, uh, the, I'm the opening sure, is there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm sure there there must be a zillion of them that are not, you know, moving up the sh moving off the shelves. But seize your yeah. moment. Yeah, gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain, and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh?
Good. Then, well then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room. It's episode 454. It is the week of Wednesday, December 6th. That is the day that in 1865, the 13th Amendment was ratified. Dave put in parentheses, mostly abolishing slavery. There's a whole documentary called the 13th about that. If you're confused about why we did not fully abolish slavery. Mostly. Um, I told Dave, I enjoy all of our American history constitution themed uh, days in history been hitting lately. So let's see what else we can get to. <laughs> uh, I know the answer to this already, but David, do we have any reviews today? We do not. Oh, shit. So, tell me about how all of your Marvel Snap cards got nerfed. I pretend that well, I haven't been playing Marvel Snap. Apparently, there was a uses the word nerf now. Well, I, I don't actually well, know what it means. I'm repeating us, what you said. So, patches, kick us off with the with what the nerf mundane was. Mundane Marvel sucks. Snap updates. Yeah, I don't know what David. What deck are you playing now? You know what? I'm sort of uh, between decks at the moment. <laughs> I uh, this is you know, the for... worst punishing conversation to kick our. I know. So with... so I rocketed my way to Infinity and Conquest mode using a deck that was big on Mister Negative and like Null and uh, Black Panther and a lot of those cards um, that just required using magic and getting a seven turn game and just rocking people in the latter turns uh, and that worked pretty well. And I sort of got bored with it because if you're patient enough, it was, it was very easy to win. Got a little more complicated once they introduced Miss Marvel and people were launching a lot of defenses against ongoing cards. And so I've just been like kicking around decks for a little while. I think the most successful one I played last season was my Loki by night deck, which uh, as it sounds is a werewolf by night slash Loki deck. Um, was trying to get the Miss Marvel decks to work, but never had like really consistent success. So you're not success. chasing those weekend bonuses. Uh... No, I mean you can get those pretty easily, but but now they have um... well, Martyr was such a shit card. <laughs> Which what? one? I used Martyr. Oh. I had a lot Martyr. of fun. I have not had no interest in Martyr. Uh, also, Katie Martyr's so bouncing around Martyr? to help you lose. I definitely the game. have got. I've definitely have not gotten Martyr. No, you're but you're leagues behind. The. Um, <laughs> The thing that I like that they introduced today is like a seemingly AI-powered auto deck builder where you like pick one card and it sort of builds a deck oh, around it. That's no um, fun. Well, no, because I mean, like building the deck. This is all was never really is never really they gotta my. Keep people playing. Like, because they're just you can go online, you can find a zillion different decks. I mean, I think it's all sort of about how you play. Shout out to Marvel Snap Zone. I like them. I like Katie's them cutting page. out the middleman, saving me the homework. Because, like, a new card comes out, and, like, it did today. Um, who's this fucking Chad guy that I've been using? What's his name? Sebastian Shaw. Oh, it's that guy? Okay, whatever. Kevin Bacon from uh, X-Men, oh, one is? of those prequels. Yeah, yeah, that's who he no. is. Ah, I gotcha, I see. So he, he got uh, a quarter stuck in his head from Magneto, I think. Right, so I, you oh, know, I... I remember that quarter. Auto built a deck around him, and I've been using that, and yeah, having wow. some success. Uh... Well, it sounds like yeah, you're not too affected I do, by I these say, major, pass it, pass these major you. nerfs. You, yeah. were, you were bitching about the America I Chavez nerf. I was bitching. And I have not bitch. tried America Chavez 2.0, but I can see that card now that it's like a, what, a two-cost card that puts plus two to the top card in your deck. I can see that being a fun card in like an Elsa Bloodstone. Uh, well, King that's Pride what they're deck. trying to do. They're trying to make both 
I think the game more luck based, a little more luck based to mm-hmm. hopefully derail Why? people like you who are just plowing through people because Because if you were Katie, if you were to play David with his deck that he got you'd have no hope. conquest, he with, would just he would destroy me. Continue to destroy you. And then at a certain point, everyone in Infinity is just, uh, you know, it's, I guess, kind of still luck of the draw, but, but we only play it, the it other just becomes chess. You know exactly us, what us cards, you know. Air, we only yeah. play the other people in. Uh, yeah, that's the okay. thing is, I never play you guys. It, it, like, puts me with people who are at my level, so it doesn't feel like I'm at some disadvantage. Right, you're only playing people who haven't played. But it's played like poker in, in that way, and they're like, yes. you know, one of the challenges of poker when you're playing people who know how to play poker is that you all know the score. Uh, and you have to take that in consideration for the moves that you make. This but now you have to be more intentional but... with where you're putting people and how you're building out the three lanes. That's that's the the way yeah. that they've nerfed yeah, tons I mean, of cards. Luke Cage, Aliath. You know what? This is pretty the boring. Luke Cage nerf is pretty, pretty brutal. This is incredibly <laughs> this, boring. It's punishment to our listeners pun- on purpose. That's yes, why we do yes, this. We punish yes. our listeners. This is our only weapon against them for being able to make us say and read or, anything in this There is an alternative uh, now. There section. is an alternative, which... Any particularly deep-pocketed listeners can sponsor our show. You buy <laughs> advertisements on our show. We Perhaps will, run Marvel Snap. We will not only... Marvel Snap Zone. We could be the official podcast of Marvel Snap Zone. I'm sure there are we several could, we already. We absolutely could be. That's what they're but, looking for, a good film podcast. But, but we could... Not only will we stop this threat of talking about Marvel Snap if we don't get any new reviews, but we won't read new reviews live on the show, which I think is probably less punishing for most listeners, but still punishing. So, uh, yeah, give us some money. Sponsor wow. just who you are. I mean, just we'll, like, we'll talk about you. You're great. I mean, uh, this episode sponsored by Kelly. She, uh, you know, was having a really good day on Thursday. I don't know. Like, you know, <laughs> shush out. On con episodes by listener. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, someone can send us 50 bucks and like, I mean, although we do talk about people if they just leave us a review. So we have been giving all it takes. away for free. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so you pay 100 bucks a, a year to be part of Marvel Snap Zone? You pay for it for a free game? No. I don't what? No. no. I they have I a whole, they have a premium tier. I'm on their website right I have not no, entered I, that. We don't have a premium a, tier. I was not even aware they had a Marvel premium Snap Zone has a premium <laughs> tier. Fighting Lauren does not have a premium tier. <laughs> but we should. We give there. away the premium content we here. Do. As people right who have been here. listening for the last three hours can tell. We're the, we're uh, the people's podcast. We are going to do a show, though. We are going to actually talk about movies. Do we have podcast. to? Or can we just leave it at this? More Marvel Snap? I don't know. I, How do I, we... have, I have a couple of questions I want to ask David uh, before we, we get oh, out of this area. Yeah. Boy. Uh, David, you still doing Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes? <laughs> no. I, there's only with two children. We're going so deep. Uh, there really is only room for one mobile game in my life, and so you missed uh, you missed the lightspeed uh, the lightspeed bundles. Yeah, I don't know what that is. David can only go to the bathroom so many times during the it's day. True. To get <laughs> his uh, work done. Only Galaxy of Heroes might be in its end game because they're doing this new thing where for like ten bucks they give you like seven Relic Five characters that allow you to unlock a whole bunch of different things. So I can't imagine I'm, they'd be in their end game, right? Aren't they insanely profitable? Well, I mean, this made this sent them to the top of like the profitability list the week they released it, so they're probably going to keep going. But uh, a lot of the earlier GLs and stuff are being unlocked for money now. So I'm close to Jabba and Ray. Who who to thunk? I mean, I I am also close to Ray. Uh, <laughs> my daughter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, which is fair. Slightly, and we're all definitely we're all um, close to Ray with Dave the new movie shooting next Ray summer. Ray Palpatine. Oh, boy. I mean, the when I named my daughter Ray R E I, 
I, I took into account a certain amount of Star Wars crossover, but did not foresee that there was going to be a standalone Ray movie uh, coming down the pike. So you're like all those people who named their child Khaleesi. Uh, like I am the nothing, Game of like, nothing like those people. <laughs> <You're exactly laughs> like that. And then my, my child's name is spelled differently uh, and has absolutely no basis in Star Wars. But uh, Daisy Ridley pressure's on. Please don't fuck this movie up. If at the very least, I need it to be decent. My daughter will hold it against her forever. Yeah. So go on the podcast app, leave us a review, or email us at fitwr.podcast@gmail.com, and you can avoid us talking about this on the podcast ever again. All right, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna take my Elsa deck. I'm gonna take out <laughs> Hit Monkey, and I'm gonna put in Kevin Bacon and America Chavez. We'll see what happens. <laughs> wow. If you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you really can go back years to the release of the first Paddington, or at least in the last couple of weeks, I have been trying to start the drumbeat that maybe Wonka could be good. I feel like as soon okay. as people say, hang on, <laughs> I'm not done yet. Right away. As soon as the clip of Timothy Chalamet on the set was leaked, you guys yeah, remember did, seeing this where he was like right, rising he was dancing on top, on of, the top carriage. of the truck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yes. That makes sense. And, we, and they were playing the music over him and everyone thought, oh, holy shit, what is going on here? Yeah, and then the yeah, first yeah. trailer comes out masking the fact that it's a musical. But David Ehrlich, who uh, is the owner of Paddington 2, he's the only person who is allowed to be a fan of it or to uh, say <laughs> no. that it is a good thing. I have never gatekept Paddington 2. Paddington 2 is for the people. <laughs> Uh, would remind you that it is directed by Paul King, the director of Paddington 2, including the phenomenal musical sequence at the very end of Paddington 2 that we all remember, and that there was reason to keep the faith. And as the December got closer, I just kind of started really needing Wonka to be good. Like, I like Timothy Chalamet. We know he's a musical theater kid. We know he has what it takes. We know that Paul King has what it takes. And then I watched Wonka. It's good. It really it is, is good. good. It's it really so good. exciting that Wonka is good. What a and not, of course it's and good. And not just as a like musical nerd or as a Paddington 2 nerd. Like, I think it is just like a solid, it's solid movie. It's good on a movie. few different levels, which is yeah. the relief. It's not My, just good for kids. It's not just good because Wish sucks ass. It's, oh, it, I finally it's, watched Wish. Hang on. That might be our next <laughs> week's punishment. We can go oh, no. back to the, wish, to the wishing well. <laughs> I've been listening to the soundtrack. 5,000 hours now and I'm, I'm starting to come around on Wish so we can go there oh, no. but, um, <laughs> yeah I, I Wish it's an interesting I mean it's not Wish Jesus Why are Wonka we talking about Wish, no we're not talking about we're talking about Wonka interesting year to get Wonka too after Wes Anderson's Roald Dahl experiment because I feel like Paul King was now looking back kind of unfairly pegged as a, a Wes Anderson ripoff artist even though he brought, he found his own magic in the Paddington movies. I'm sure David will go into this, but I do think people kind of like undercut his success with those movies by just saying he was doing Wes Anderson for the masses. And now it's such at, a weird take on Paddington, but whatever. Well, I, I mean, think the Wes Anderson with, influence is is not invented for Paddington too. I mean, it is definitely there. Uh, there's like a Chaplin influence as well and a number of other but i but i'm starting to think together the, but i don't think it's like completely out the of wes people. anderson influence in quotes there is maybe more of the role doll influence and i think that they are that wes anderson's mm. drawing from doll throughout his career more than we know and that paul king does too and it really comes to a head in this in this adaptation which i was kind of 
I've been talking to a few super doll people who are who want nothing to do with this movie because they don't like the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is really what this is based on. It's prequelizing that. Wait, There's hey, a whole wait, wait, roll wait, here with just, Warner Brothers I, and yeah. Wait, is it, 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 oh yeah, yeah. How is it prequelizing the Gene Wilder movie and not the Willy the Roll Doll book? Because, well, specifically, it has to prequelize the Warner Brothers Gene Wilder movie because that's what Warner Brothers owns and Netflix. Oh, because owns Netflix has the rights to the doll stuff. Doll that's what I was trying to get yes, to, which is okay, so. And it's using a lot of the iconography from that. I mean, it's using music cues from the Gene Wilder film. It's using sure. the Loompa design. Obviously, the end of this movie. We'll get a little into spoilers because uh, I, I, I think you can see the mo- uh, end of it I coming from a mile away. But because yeah. the serendipity is, is too much for me, and our listeners already think I'm a pompous asshole, so I don't really have anything. Might as well here. go there. I literally spoke to Wes Anderson about this today. <laughs> 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 and uh, to, uh, wait about what doll or about, this movie? about roll doll about roll oh, okay. doll uh, and it truly the two things that ripped my heart out in real time as this was happening that i failed to ask about were one wonka <laughs> which i imagine he has yet to see but we'll have thoughts about i would he does. love his actual thoughts on wonka i'm oh sure he'll never like uh, tell the likes of us what he really thinks of it no but, anyway. but uh it would have been amazing and two of course is american express commercial my life my oh. card one of the great masterpieces of our time oh yeah uh, which i actually wonderful. think is and i'm being completely serious about this the most direct antecedent to his role doll shorts uh in terms of somebody being in a story and telling us that story at the same time uh in sure Go back and watch it. I'm not crazy. Um, okay, wait, Wonka? But, uh, we have Wonka? gone off the path Wonka. here. But yeah, anyway, my, my uh, long roundabout point here, and then I'll let everyone else talk, is that I think Wonka works as both kind of a doll adaptation, while, yeah, as I said, it has to stay in the Warner Brothers lane, but it's like drawing a lot out from the doll. You know, maybe it's not Willy Wonka from the books, who is cynical and... and almost villainous uh, in some people's minds and Timothy Chalamet is playing him as gleeful and eccentric and a dreamer. Um, so maybe it's not as dark as, as doll had illustrated him or even as Gene Wilder really. Yeah. And, and I could imagine him becoming that dark. I could, I think that Chalamet does a good way of like uh, reverse engineering that character in some level. Um, but I, I think that there's a lot of dollisms in this. Maybe most explicit is uh, Olivia Coleman doing like Mrs. Scrubbit, mm. the very Matilda-esque uh, character in this. There's just like a lot of pieces. I think King's drawing from a lot of doll storytelling from over the years. And it was interesting to see this after all the Wes Anderson experiments. So on top of being like this very classic musical, which I was also not expecting, which I have to imagine, Katie, you you loved, which is this like, it's all, this is the closest thing I've seen to like a Mary Poppins or another kind of 1950s classic sing-songy Since, musical. Wall-to-wall music, Broadway bound. I mean, like, this is Mary a really, Poppins Returns a good it, it, No, that's a horrible movie. That's a terrible, terrible there movie. There is wall-to-wall music that is beautifully interpolated. You know, they beautifully interpolate the songs into the score. There are only six songs in the film patches. So wall-to-wall, I just want to clarify for people I really who feel, I would have going into I imagine it being sung through. Uh, That's interesting. I would have said like 10 songs. I don't I didn't count them, but like it feels like wall to wall music. It feels like the songs are really just part of the fabric of the film. Like they staged a big musical. So it's like a great musical and a great doll story and totally surprising. Um, I was I was shocked how much fun my my kid and I had watching Wonka. David, did you as a Paul King devotee, are you all in on on Wonka? Is this worthy? trying to restrain myself from saying during Katie's introduction, which is just like how 
fucking demented I find uh, that that people simply assume that this movie is going to be a train wreck. Like I, there there is no character on earth I have less interest in than Willy Wonka. <laughs> uh, I truly, I loathe both the previous films, including the Gene Wilder one. To be honest, I just have no time for it. Wow. I don't care. Um, Did not know you were. I, I, I actually don't love that movie either, but. Uh... Yeah, I've kind of. I, I certainly hate the Wes Anderson the one, uh, the Wes Anderson one, the Tim Burton one, a hell of a lot more. Take Wes Anderson's uh, name out of yeah, your mouth, yeah, my seriously, God. Honestly. Um, but uh, I, I mean, Paul King more or less broke my heart when he told me that his follow up to one of the great films of our time, or really of any time, was going to be a Willy Wonka origin story. It's, uh, it was like when immediately after seeing Elvis last year, uh, Sofia Coppola, another one of my favorite filmmakers, was like, my next film's going to be about Priscilla. I was just like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> make, make a movie about something I want to see. Um, but uh, yeah, and so, but the idea that the guy who made Paddington 1 and then made Paddington 2 was going to take another movie that clearly fit into the same milieu and fuck it up so royally that it was going to be like Cutthroat Island or some shit was just, <laughs> just so stupid. Um, and of course the movie's good. Do I think it is even as good as Paddington 1? I do not. I think this is far and away his least Oh, magical. really? This is better than Paddington 1 no, for me. No, it's not. Uh, it's, it, it is like far and away his most flawed work. There's a, there is a certain je ne sais quoi missing. I think a lot of the the jokes don't really land. I think most are like, I think they're the, really, the thing that really wounds it uh, more than anything else, um, and I, I don't want to spend too much time slagging the movie, is that um, where Paddington sort of invited all the characters around him in these very communally driven films about the kindness of strangers and the, the power of, uh, you know, community to overcome punitive people and villains and whatnot um, in, a, in, a, in a dark and hopeless world sometimes. Uh, Willy Wonka takes up too much space. I mean, like, he is the biggest personality in any room and he doesn't really, he sucks the air out of But he has so things. many friends in his, like, no, uh, but he imprisonment I mean, sweatshop learn... where he goes scrub scrub on all the scrub yeah, but dish rags. When you, when you compare even the supporting characters in Paddington 1, and Paddington 2 is just, like, on another level, take it out of the equation, uh, you know, everybody in, in Willy Wonka gets one trait and they get a few mildly amusing opportunities to riff on that trait, but none of them feel... They don't feel as part as cohesive as part of a unit. You don't really feel them doing good for one another in the same meaningful way that you did in either of the Paddington films. And Willy Wonka never really comes together as a character. Like, what does he want? He misses his mom. Make chocolate. Um, he wants to make chocolate. Like a, he no, he's just like a kooky, kooky read? weirdo who wants to milk giraffes. He shouldn't. He yeah. definitely needs to learn how to read. My daughter loved that. Um, she loves giraffes and she loved seeing a giraffe get milked. Your daughter's in the pocket of Big Wonka, and I'm sick of hearing about it. But the, the uh, you know, I, I, I really didn't mind Timothy Chalamet's excitement. I do think that this performance is and this role is closest to who he is as a person, which is kind of why it works. He is a big, like, man-boy-looking Does he love to giggle, uh, you think? Goofball. He just loves yeah, to, like, I, like, joke and have fun. Uh, he fits into the high school theater energy that Wonka has here. Yes. Uh, like there are involved. moments where I'm like, am I watching my friend in a stage production right. in high school? Like, and it, I think that it like, almost the gets there. He doesn't have a Broadway ready voice is part of the film's charm. I really think that the movie would not have been improved if he were, you know, coming at it with a more Hugh Jackman. If he were voice. Mandy Patinkin, although I would watch the right. version of this sure. Mandy Patinkin in um, a heartbeat. You know, and, and, and it's, it's hard not to make the comparison to Paddington 1 and 2 because this movie is so, so, so clearly uh, in the same vein. I mean, they, they have very similar plots. They have very similar 
designs. Uh, I mean, Hawkins this one and them. is a lot more expensive and, uh, you know, not at all filmed in the real world. It's all on sound stages. All in most fake part. Belgium. Something? I did like that a lot well, of the movie it takes place in this like town square yeah. and it has yeah. almost theatrical panor or yeah diorama feeling maybe that's the yeah it looks great it feels a little hermetic but like like a snow globe in a way it works yes um and uh yeah i mean it's all really it's it's really like not that there's much competition because people are just not making live action family films these days but it, it really towers over any of the other examples i can think of outside of the paul king universe in recent years um he is operating at a different level and i hold him to a higher standard uh, I think there's potential for a Wonka two to make as great a leap up from Wonka one as Paddington two did for Paddington one, but uh, I don't think that Wonka as a character and a character again I actively disliked and still have no interest in uh, suits Paul King's storytelling instincts nearly as well as Paddington does, and it concerns me a little bit um, as much as an adult man should be concerned about any of this that uh, you know Paul King chose to make this over Paddington three because. He loves Wonka. He loves Gold Doll. Uh, I'm worried we may get the best, the worst of both worlds, and that like Wonka is a step down from Paddington's, and that Wonka uh, Paddington Three is going to be a step down from the other Paddington's directed by somebody else. And the whole Olivia Coleman thing has me extra worried because she's giving a very obvious Olivia Coleman baddie performance uh, that made my kids say, "What is wrong with her face?" Uh, <laughs> wow. In this movie, and uh, and she's supposed what was to be wrong the with the villain. face? She just had like teeth. Yeah, her, her face like, is like like ready, like she's like been surrounded yeah. by like harsh soap chemicals all the time. I, I think, yeah, and I she's think got the dry teeth, skin. The teeth uh, are pulling a lot of attention there, but um, and she's supposedly playing the villain in Paddington Three. Now I really hope that she's not. I'm hoping she plays more benevolent character, but I think for her to be the villain in Paddington Three would be really the boring. Same thing. It might be a little um, repetitive. Although, point, although the dynamic between her and the guy who she lives with, who they pretend is a duke, is so entertaining and delightful and he gets to like strut around in short shorts i had such a i like i I think the way this movie reminds me the most of paddington is like i think you're right that like the side characters have like fewer elements than they should like natasha rothwell is like present in this movie and has like no real character she was there there's no denying um but like the way that it pays attention to olivia coleman or to like this pair of security guards who keep getting caught up in wonka schemes like it has that that tapestry to it that stuff is like every beat every single beat is in Paddington 2 and done better. Like all I mean, the supporting but characters. I think you're a little, I think you're a little hung up on this movie. Um, no, I mean, and might it's, need it's, to divest very, from Paddington. Put it's the marmalade very, uh, down. You know, it, it's 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 very much in the same vein. I enjoyed it very much. The thing that I really loved about it, uh, and that I thought made it so interesting, is this Warner Brothers big corporate product, particularly in the wake of David Zaslov um, deciding really to uh, lump art in with commerce and, and um, just boil it all down to bean counting is that it's a movie about the dangers of entrusting our imaginations and our dreams to people who don't see any value in them and don't have any imaginations of their own. Because you know, really what the story is about is this chocolate cartel that is selling mediocre chocolate that they refuse to be interesting or weird in any way um, and siphoning all the higher quality chocolate to a vault under the city so that they can use it to bribe officials um, and, it's very anti-cop, you know, Dave. I want to make sure you know that it definitely well, assumes that all the, the cops, cops are, are co- uh, that all the cops. No, are it does not say that. One of the cops, uh, who's oh, one named, of the cops is nice. Is no, it cop. is. It is very much fifty percent of cops are bastards. The key <laughs> Michael Key cop is probably bastard. where I fall in the end, anyway. So. Um, but uh, you know, I I really like that idea of of 
needing our are like the places we turn to for dreams, you know, stories or in the case of chocolate, like the, the for pleasure, pumpkin for, ice for, cream. Yeah, whatever, pumpkin ice cream, whatever the case might be. Like entrusting those roles um and the role they play in society to people who are going to be uh responsible for them and 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 that recognizing that it is a big responsibility. And like yes, Willy Wonka ends up becoming sort of like this good corporate overlord. Um, but <laughs> the fact that he gives a shit about chocolate, I mean, obviously this is all years before David Zaslav began uh, doing, you know, his reign of terror or whatever. But I think that the movie does really operate as kind of a fuck you to um, that ethos. Uh, yeah. And it's very ironic to me that this studio of all studios is putting it out. And I, I, wanna, I, I want to, I want to jump a better in here. Place. And and say when this movie started really delighting you, or is there a oh. song or like what? Just to I mean, kind of wrap up. I was up, pretty I'm... sold from the very beginning. Like when he gets told he's like when he daydreams about uh, opening a shop. No, no daydreaming. No daydreaming. But it's, it's the scrub scrub song when they get there, and you're scrub, like, scrub, oh, they're putting rules. in the work. It's a great song. Like Olivia Coleman, like it is over the top, but I was having a great time. Like all the colorful characters down in the basement with him. I just like once you get a good, well executed musical number, I'm gonna be all oh. in. But Katie, I know you have feelings about putting children in movies, and I was thinking of you because I feel like the main child character oh. in this movie uh, See, is a little, a little My feelings thin. are not no. anti-child performances. My feelings are like making kids go to the Oscars and wear tuxedos. No, and you think that you should have to like, be, don't make the child to be a star. in a movie. I, but but mostly that, like... for the damage that it causes to your life, not because of... <laughs> I think the girl who plays the main character is I fine. thought she was... Nice. I don't yeah. think that she is the problem. I, I kind of appreciate that she underplays the role as a way of balancing out Wonka and his exuberant energy at all times. But, but I, I, I like think... her as an echo of Charlie from and like that's a dollism too. I and think, she and Chalamet are good together. Like they yes. have their energy yeah. lines up somehow. I, I, I really don't want to put any water. of this at the feet of the actor, is what I'm trying to say. But I I do think there's a big the the movie as it goes along begins to incorporate her backstory more and more and there's a big emotional beat for her at the end that i've seen the movie i saw the movie once in theaters and we have uh screeners at home i was watching with my son and i've seen it like Brag. parts of it three times no i'm just I, no I'm i know looking. i watch it at home too yeah and uh the th that beat at the end like every time it's supposed to be the big you know aunt lucy is is showing up at paddington's door <laughs> moment of the movie and it falls so flat no, uh, I, I thought it was, no, I think I, it because works. of the songs. I don't want to spoil it, but like I, I, I got good. swept up in that. Uh, the songs are good. Like the songs no, are good in this movie. The songs are really the songs are pretty damn good. And the dancing and the staging, like I was just shocked that we're kind of back in the 50s, 60s mode of of super stagey musicals. And it's totally working. It doesn't feel like pastiche. It feels like part of what this movie's soul ends up being but I also it's, think it's such a relief because the original movie they really stuffed the music in it, like it shouldn't have been a musical and wasn't really conceived as that except it had oompa loompa songs and uh pure imagination and that was it like it was it was a studio note it's on some level and this is this is a full-fledged musical who I, I don't even know who did the songs katie do you know off the top of your head who no who did I the music for I this movie? i should do yeah and it's like shot and it looks really great do you know who shot this movie david yeah it's uh, chun chakun yeah, who shot <laughs> old boy, you know, like wow. uh yeah, what a leap. Uh it looks the fantastic. Music by, and the music is by Joey Talbot. The songs uh yeah. are by Neil Hannon, who's the lead singer of the band The Divine Comedy. Uh oh, wow. but I do think that, you know, the 
the reason that both of those things work so well in the songs in particular is because of how those two people uh, are working hand in hand here. It's because the, the songs, uh, their, their melodies are so deeply baked into the soul of this movie um, that it, it, I think it, it really does. It, it speaks to why Patches thought that there were so many more songs because the musicality is so strong that the entire mm-hmm. film, I mean, like Paddington two was on the verge of being a musical anyway, it was just sort of missing the songs. Uh, and then finally in the closing credits, we got one. And now we have a movie that, you know, the entire running time kind of feels like uh, the closing credits, you know, the raindrops on the root number from Paddington two. Uh, and that's, I'm fun. also glad the movie's allowed to be just like super British to the point where one of the bad, the main bad guy is from Peep Show, and like there's a Mighty Boosh guy. There's just like a lot of good British. The bad guys have like the movie. funniest posh British accents you can <laughs> imagine. Like they just talk in this ridiculous way that made me laugh every time. I had a lot. Dave, of fun are you going to see Wonka? Uh, I mean, I'd like to. I'm going to see it eventually. Whether or not I can squeeze it in before I have to start making lists is sort of <clears throat> up in the air. I, suspense before our top tens episode. <laughs> I know. Tune in I, again to find out. I, I, uh, I have it on my Warner Brothers screening app, but there's nothing there. It's just a little oh, poster. So I'm yeah. like, give it, give it to me. Give it to me. They torment you I mean, like that. Just, we were just talking about like the, the villains and the, like Hawking's eye for casting. I don't know. I, I didn't watch. Um, what the fuck is that show? Uh, Heap show. Heap show. Uh, so I don't know if some of these people, uh, you know, like Patterson Joseph, who was about to specifically call out was on peep show i know yeah. this by looking at his wikipedia page this very second but he's so 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 good he's so good <laughs> and, and like it's just like all of them even if the material isn't particularly strong like matt lucas who's you know someone i've known over the years uh from television and certainly recently from bake-off like it's a one-note character uh matthew Baton, who pays fickle grouper you know his entire <laughs> shtick is that he just sort of wretches when anyone says the word poor uh, you know, but like, these are all, I don't think they're entirely up to snuff, but they all bring so much verve into these characters that they, they feel like there's more dimension to them. And like, that's true of Patterson, Joseph, most of all, uh, it really, I, I mean, for the moment he shows up, up it just, yeah, and the just, actors they, certainly are. I think the, the character's not entirely, but the moment that he watches Wonka's big song and dance number at the beginning of the movie, um, this is like exuberant spectacle and the gallery gourmet. And his immediate reaction is to tell his assistant to call the police. Uh, <laughs> it's very funny. Um, yeah, I mean, very good movie. I do. I am certainly guilty of holding it to a higher standard, but watching it uh, with my kid at home, uh, it reminded me a lot. It feels like, you know, it, right in the middle ground of the Venn diagram between Wes Anderson and The Greatest Showman. And mm, I think to that song. latter point, it has that cozy, sort of like burgundy feel of a secular christmas classic or secular holiday classic yes. where i think just like the vibes alone are going to make it something that people want to turn to uh this time of year even if there isn't anything particularly christmasy or certainly not hanukkah good thanksgiving movie for the years to come yeah thanksgiving i don't know but uh <laughs> all winter month Serious holidays sure. can watch wonka what is the, well, this is a rare uh, advanced look at a movie on Fighting in the War Room. This movie does not come out until, what, next week, I believe. No, yeah. whole week. And it's going to be uh, yeah. in the movie theaters. We're really on top of shit with this Go one, see it in Wonka. movie theaters and Especially because it's on my Vulture kid. movie draft. I need the box office to go up, up, up here so I can... But uh, really what I want is if you really thought this movie was going to be a train wreck, like, look into your soul. Do some, uh, do some <laughs> real digging. Uh, think. 
before you tweet. And then see Aquaman, and, the Lost Kingdom. Cleanser before we jump into our conversation on May December, which got a ton of nominations at the Indie Spirit Awards. Uh, you can look up the list of what's nominated there. I always find it very interesting to see a lot of titles that I'm very familiar with that we've talked about, like May December, All of Us Strangers, American Fiction, Past Lives. Uh, and then there's always stuff that I have just absolutely never heard of and I uh, don't know what I'm looking at and have to do some viewing. Um, so I wanted to see if anyone had anything that either you need to catch up with or want other people to. Uh, in terms of movies I've actually seen, I was very glad to see that Tiana Taylor got a Best Lead Performance nomination for 1001, oh, a movie we that talked came about out in the spring podcast. and is very easy to watch and everyone should see it if they haven't. Uh, what else does someone else want to highlight from Here, this Here's a quick question for you, awards guru, oh Katie. Um, do you think that this is like what the Oscars looks like? No, it never is. I mean, Barbie I and Oppenheimer not, are not it, eligible. So like okay. that alone and Killers of the Flower Moon. Interesting. So there's probably more studio movies this year at the Oscars than in recent Yeah, I mean, it's a years. good year for, like, big studio, like, poor things. It's a Searchlight movie, so that's sort of a studio movie, as is All the Strangers, which did qualify at the Indie Spirits. I mean, there's always some overlap, like, Everything Everywhere All at Once did really well at the Indie Spirits last year. I think May-December's Oscar performance is a big question mark, because uh, the Oscars have often been very cool to Todd Haynes, as all the Carol stands will, will remind you, mm. um, but it's been, like, really <laughs> riding high in Critics Awards. So that's the one that I would be the most curious about whether it repeats at the Oscars. I mean, Carol was also a victim of the Oscar culture at that time. I think if you just look at some of the, the makeup of the Academy and the movies that have been rewarded over the last few years, it's easy to think that Carol may have fared better uh, if it came out today. Um, and I think, you know, May, December is definitely tapped into something and by something i just mean idiots talking on the internet but that's not nothing <laughs> and i mean we're not so, we'll, we'll get to that yeah uh so uh, yeah i mean that could that could translate who knows it's certainly rooting for it my my shout out to the indie spirits spirit awards are that um marshawn lynch got nominated yeah. for an indie yeah. spirit award what a, he's having an amazing year what um, else has he, he done besides he's being extremely bottoms. funny in bottoms but he was also on um this <laughs> reality show called Stars on Mars. Are you guys familiar with this? Wait, that, that the one where they kicked out Lance Armstrong for being a dick? Yes, and it's where they <laughs> are supposedly living on Mars. Or they, you know, they're doing the Mars. <laughs> they're not actually on Mars. They're doing the Mars experiment. Yeah, I just want to clarify, Marshawn Linton <laughs> has not gone to Mars. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're all living amongst each other in the enclosed space of what could be a Mars colony, and um, you know. Marshawn Lynch is just a hilarious, I don't know, who who knew that this person would be able to shoot from the hip and just be really funny. He's very hilarious in Bottoms. I haven't seen 80 for Brady. Going to assume his role in that is minor, he's but funny. He's also in 80 for Brady? Yeah, so he's having a killer year. I have that Give one in my man... Vulture movie league. I'm really counting on the movies for Grand <laughs> Awards. So Katie, to your, to your question at the start of the segment about like looking for what the movies that you... You were talking about, uh, I don't even know if it was a question or a comment, but... Talking about the movies you hadn't heard of in the uh, in the Indie Spirit Award nominations, I mean, 
I I was like effectively my job to know what these movies are. I mean, IndieWire is a website; it's kind of a misnomer, the URL or name, but uh, these days anyway. But we still cover these kind of films more aggressively than most, and I have not heard of some of them. Chronicles of a Wandering Saint, That's which was nominated in a number of different categories. Yeah, that was the I one have for never me. Heard of. No, I had no clue what that was. It appears to be set in Argentina. Up. Perhaps we should watch it in a future episode. Yeah, uh, I, but I I don't think that it got a release it would play it itself by southwest um where it may have premiered uh yeah world it premiered, it, world premiered itself by southwest it seems to have gone over well we should uh this is what january is for we should yeah. watch chronicles of a wandering saint yeah or like <laughs> we grown now uh it, it. is picked up by student pictures classics but hasn't been released in theaters yet so that's oh well yeah, I mean, that, Hopkins that, in it? that means it comes out on december 31st no. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is not in We Grown Now. But yeah, Minhal Minhal Beg's film uh, is one that was definitely on my radar that my website covered at a TIFF. Um, David, did you see the Sebastian Silva movie? That's also sure did. The Rotting in the Sun. How? Yeah, he, that was a, a lot of like Sundance. penises in that movie, right? Uh, like, what a, more penises uh, than any other movie a, we're going to talk about. This I'm, week. I'm like Kermit hit or miss Walker. on Silva. And I don't know how our, if our listeners have seen first, a lot of his the movies. The first 30 but minutes good? of Rotting in the Sun, where all the penises are, was inspired. Um, and truly, I cannot overstate the number of penises that you will find in the first 30 <laughs> minutes of Rotting in the Sun. Like, however many penises you're imagining, double it. Uh, and then you'll be somewhere in the vicinity. Most, all, all of them flaccid and sort of dangling disembodied. From the Interesting. Top of the so, uh, sounds close but, to the amount of penises in Wonka, then, would you say? Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, after the sort of big inciting incident, if you will, in that movie. Uh, I think it, it loses a lot of steam and, and focus, but um, uh, it's a lot of fun for the first 30 minutes. I don't know. Did you see it? I, I did I did not, uh, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Silva doing his yeah. truly independent weirdo work and uh, I'm anxious to check it yeah, out. And you have the Lily Gladstone vehicle, the unknown. The other country, one uh, was no. I mean, she's in she had three films. Sure. Wow. Uh, but the unknown country uh, for the John Cassavetes uh, that's in the mix. Uh, Fremont is nominated for the John Cassavetes Award, which is for the films that were budgeted under a million dollars. Maybe this award show becomes more valuable now that the Gotham's have given away all the principles uh, and just completely sold out to <laughs> anyone who wants to come. Um, you know, maybe a award ceremony that still has like some. David did not attend the Gotham's. I did not attend the Gotham's Awards this year. Uh, <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, maybe an award, c- award ceremony that still has some uh, rubric by which they are, you know, deciding that something is, is eligible, is indie, uh, even if it just means that, like, just Barbie and Oppenheimer can come. Um, could Dave, be interesting, what is a movie that you want to see from this list? Wow. Oh, that I want to see from this list? Yeah, or just uh, that intrigues you one way or another. I mean, all the things definitely that we've mentioned, I haven't caught up. Uh, with things like passages and all of those strangers yet. So I have a, a, a blast of uh, good queer cinema coming my way. Uh, but I was kind of surprised to see Eileen pop up here yeah. as much as it does. I mean, I think it's some great performances, but uh, it's a different, a different tone of uh, thriller than uh, everything else that's sort of around it. So that, that was interesting to me. And then I'm always, uh, always, for about a week and a half, I've been like, uh, I, I'm glad word is getting out there on American fiction because the trailers make it look like a different movie than I think it ultimately is. 
Um, so hopefully this uh, brings some more eyes to it. Actually, I think the movie on this list that you need to see, Dave, is Birth Rebirth. Mm, is that oh, okay. dis- dislike. I was in the minority, but really? I really didn't I have care not for that. Uh, and I also think American fiction almost less than any other movie that's been nominated needs, uh, needs, you know, the extra attention from the independent spirit awards. I think American fiction will be fine. Um, but, uh, what was it? The naysayer has arrived. (laughs) Also, I mean, this leads into a longer conversation that's certainly not worth hearing here about how we need to have like a national conversation about what defines a lead performance. Uh, and I understand that my oh boy. definition is like a little bit more militaristic. We need than most, Joe Biden to intervene here. We, we do, need government like, action. Listen, this needs to be on the ballot in 2024. I what love, is lead? I love past lives, but that movie has one lead and it is not tail you. Uh, and mm. he was nominated. Interesting. In lead That's not where I would, uh, I would say it has war. three leads. No, I mean, I would go to war with almost Oh, there's so many movies. This year. It's just because I, I have I recognize a very different definition of what a lead character is. Uh, and I think it's for me, it's tied to that word like lead character rather than sort of like a put lead this on the table. We need to yell about this that, later. Like, yeah. Preacher, that, like, future episode. This is good. I think the definition that most awards bodies are going with and most people are going with. And I really can't begrudge them that too much, I suppose is sort of a high school theater one where it's like, oh, I'm a lead role. Like I got one of the leads. Uh, and when I think Timmy about it from a storytelling perspective, and I tend to think like, whose story is this? Who is the protagonist of the film? In most films, certainly most American films, there is usually one. There are very rare examples where there are co-leads in a film, and we talk about story with different language than we talk about awards uh, categorization, and that I think leads to a lot of neuron-breaking internal conflict in the heads of yeah, losers. Yeah, like I, I, I believe about this. What, whoever a lead is, is whichever studio is paying us the most to say uh, that the lead, they're the lead <laughs> mm-hmm. movies. This Fair podcast enough. specifically. So please feel free to reach out for your consideration ads. Netflix this past weekend, Todd Haynes' newest film, May, December, hit, and that means we could all talk about it and talk about all of it, because hopefully you've had a chance uh, to see it. It is definitely on a widely available streaming platform. This is a story that is uh, loosely inspired by the real-life uh, story of Mayor, uh, Mary Kay Letourneau? Letourneau? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I remember this news story happening in the 90s from the perspective of a teenager, so my take on it was uh, not accurate. And I'm very happy. Your take to, was uh, like, humana, 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 yeah, uh, get her. Like, that, that kid must have been so lucky, you know, like a, <laughs> like a, like a teenager would have said. Uh, but this movie is not. Uh, instead, it is about an actress named Elizabeth, played by Natalie Portman, who uh, goes to investigate the character of Gracie, played by Julianne Moore, who in the 90s um, was thrown in jail for having sex with a 13-year-old. That 13-year-old is now supposedly the same age uh, as the character Elizabeth in the movie and is played by Charles Melton. His name's Joe. He raises monarch butterflies in the most on-the-nose metaphor in this movie. Um, But otherwise, I think it is a very interesting watch um, I 
watched it two days in a row because the first day I watched it, um, I kicked back and I thought my screener maybe had a little bit too much grain. Um, so I, I made a note to check in when it was actually streaming on Netflix to see if the grain was the same. Uh, but that was just the impetus was for it? a re- It probably is. It, it was. It's pretty grainy. Uh, I think, yeah, the really? movie we're going to be on the grain. It's like, it's dusty. Like, it all feels like it's taking place in like a swampy dusk. It's just, it just looks like, I didn't it, really like they tried that. to add some sort of filmic texture to it, but it just looks like they laid grain over a digital. Um, anyway, the important thing is I huh. rewatched it the second time, even though I wrote down check Netflix grain. Uh, I rewatched it again because uh, this is one of those movies. Uh, that makes uh, me intrigued and uncomfortable at the same time. And that is a formula that I like in film, uh, where the first time I watched it, I had a very different experience than the second time I watched it, where I definitely uh, laughed a lot more. Uh, Because the first time, I was uh, very very worried for the well-being of everybody. You start off, you're like, all these people must be good people. You learn some more... You're like, okay, I don't like Gracie, but Elizabeth and Joe seem okay. And then the movie continues to move on, and nobody's okay uh, at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had a pretty a pretty good time uh, with this movie. I don't think I've seen the Todd Haynes films in between here in Carol. Um, so I don't God, know. what's in between here? Wonderstruck, Wonderstruck and Dark Waters. Dark, Dark Waters and, and the Velvet, Velvet Goldmine document. Oh, which I, that Velvet one I didn't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, um, uh, so this is my reuniting uh, with the director. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Made me cry. I'm I'm alone on that island, but uh, so be it. But I jumped on the social media trash site that used to be called Twitter and uh, saw some initial reaction. Uh, Some some horrible readings of Natalie Portman as an actress, I think. Wait, really? Yeah. I, I'm. I guess I'm pretty off X at this point. But like, X. what? What? What are people reading into this performance? Like, do they think Natalie Portman just that was stinks? not the lightning rod that I saw? On my what was the lightning just... rod you saw? It's all about well, the rumors, mean, right? Yeah, like all yeah, the, yeah. Like... I mean, it's all the teens, uh, you know, talking about how people who are making light of this comedy, this, you know, this, uh, this laugh is, out loud, right? Laugh out loud comedy. Um, who are making light of it in the letterbox reviews are uh, disgusting because they are not giving proper uh, due and, and you know piece to a story about grooming uh, and uh, you know to each their own. But I think that um, two things can exist at once. We can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. I think that this can be a deeply uncomfortable movie that broaches some very serious moral violations while also still being a very funny film uh that we can talk about with the same lightness uh that it is directed with at times even if todd haynes may disagree with i mean there's so so many arguments well, I, I will say the that camp uh i, I will but, say that i i listened to it is uh dga podcast season in my home and no. uh, i typically listen to these episodes after watching the films because i don't really want to know a lot about director intention going into watching a movie Ooh, what kind of to... freak would listen to them before seeing the films? What do I don't know what people do. I don't care about this attention. This I like hearing about December. it after. But uh, Haynes is pretty explicit about like, I want to make a movie where you laugh and then two seconds later wonder if you should have laughed. And then let that be ambiguous enough that I don't answer the question for you. And I, f- I love that sensation. I like 
his movies a lot. This is one of my favorites. I, I'm a big fan of Safe, which I think enters that same you territory and with Natalie Julianne Portman. Moore. She was on yeah. Watch What Happens Live last night. Just fucking Portman is the reason this movie happens, safe. which I I did not realize that Portman got this story, brought this script to Haynes, and this is the rare thing that he hasn't written himself, and and That's she made it happen, true. and she wanted Julianne I mean, Moore. What are you talking I mean, about? It's, it's definitely it's, the rare thing. In I mean, less in recent, I mean, recent rare, years, but like rare, maybe maybe statistically, but. You know, it, it is not a huge ana- anomaly in his body of work. Certainly when you look at, um, well, I just, I don't want to frame it as though it's like a, a lesser product that it's not like pure Haynes or something like that. Because oh, Carol, no. Carol is a film that he does not have a writing credit on. You know, Phyllis Nage is the. No, and Carol changed his career. Uh, and yeah. he would say that like he, he's looking for those opportunities too, to like come in and, and work. He loves the the writer of this, uh, of May, December, whose name escapes me. But Sam Sam Birch. I, yeah. And, and say, Birch is more of like a comedic writer too. I think is like a UCB veteran, she, and this movie is produced by Versace. Will Ferrell and and the Gary Sanchez company, uh, which I find fascinating. If the, there's a more comedic version of this on some level, but Haynes is is dr- bringing it into the the blurrier territory. Uh, I, I I was startled by this movie beginning to end, and Dave, the idea that Natalie Portman is a bad actor. Uh, and that's what you encountered in social media reactions to this movie is astonishing because, I mean, she's obviously playing like an actor who's on TV, who's about to do what sounds like like a Lifetime movie or just like a hacky indie that's about to go to Netflix on a random she's Thursday just playing, in she's April. She's playing but the part correctly and people are like, she's oh, definitely she's a playing bad the part actor. Correctly. And I'm like, no, it's just that's the part. Well, but she I is haven't... descending into madness and in the abyss of, of this uh, experience that she's trying to understand and the more she performs it the scarier and weirder her performance becomes I, I was unnerved I mean, by everything Sam Adams wrote a piece movie. for Slate that sort of parses this or saying you know she's not a bad actress but she excels at performing a certain uh, remove uh, that can seem wooden and give people the impression that she's a bad actress I mean there's a reason why some of her more you know, resonant performances include not only May-December, but something like Closer, uh, where there's sort of levels or layers, rather, of, of distance between her and the other characters that this sort of like manufactured screen she has in front of her. Um, I, I think that that is a strength that she plays to uh, and that there is a world of difference between that and this and, and Queen Amidala, um, you know, if you know what I mean. <laughs> The, the um, one thing I, I, I want to ask you guys is I've seen a lot of reactions. To the movie. We haven't described too much of the, the quality of the film for people who haven't seen it. And it's set in Savannah, Georgia. Basically, Natalie Portman's character, Elizabeth, is going to study the couple. And she's going to portray uh, Julianne Moore's character, Gracie, in a movie about the relationship and about the crime. And it sounds like just true crime trash that she's about to star in that she's taking way seriously. Just imagining like what actors really do this. I, I'm totally, you know, there's so many questions I have. If, like, A lot Tom of Haynes actors take themselves really people, seriously. Yeah, people it's, it's take out themselves there. seriously. But, uh, you know, she goes to embed herself with that. She's like visiting their big house. in Savannah, Georgia. I'm like, what, what is your job? I think when we meet Gracie, she's baking cakes professionally, but like Listen, all being you have bought to do out by friends. New York, if you don't live in New York City, all you have to do is bake a cake every couple and months. And you have a mansion? Live in a mansion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't live in a mansion. They live in like a very a, like nice. They live on the water on an island. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think, like, that, I think that their house is approximately 312 times larger than my apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I That's think, how I, I felt. I think we were supposed to assume that they made money selling like their interview to Barbara Walters or yes. something in the 90s. But that's probably and that's how they bought that house because it's very dated. It's like it's dated to when their relationship started. Uh, and they, you know, consciously live in the town where all this shit <laughs> went down. So Natalie Portman's character is able to explore the pet shop where they hooked up and like recreate the sex moment that they had by herself in the back room in one of the more unnerving sequences of this movie. My question for you is I've seen a lot of reactions to the film pop up. That's like, this is basically a lifetime movie directed by Todd Haynes, that this is, uh, you know, the elevated horror, but for the melodrama trash genre or something. Do you, do you buy into that argument that it is purposely being, directed in a particular way I, I i'm not so sure about that that it's it's very talky like i found the beginning maybe the first half of the movie is almost like spotlight it's like a lot of you know true crime talking to people just conversations this angle that angle very simple camera work um but i think todd haynes is playing a lot with like uh, mirrors and angles there and, well, like, and later in the, the film he's, there, people are directly I mean, addressing yeah it's very melodramatic you think the, uh, the score um oh man the score yeah uh <laughs> it's blasted is that michel legrand from the go-between Ta-da! Ta-da! oh that's and a direct well, reference yeah, shot. it's a direct reference. i mean it's, it's just using the music from the yep. go-between and it's uh um you know over a shot of uh our uh, you know instantly from can already sort of became a famous shot uh within the people and as soon as it, the movie was on netflix it sort of was memefied instantly of julianne moore opening the refrigerator and saying you know we don't have enough hot dogs and then cut to charles melton standing over you know the most hot dogs you've ever seen in your entire life uh <laughs> and you know i think but it, it's exactly what patch was talking about about the um the sort of roller coaster tone that haynes was going for this feeling that these Feelings could coexist. That they this could be lurid, but possibly entertain the idea of love, or to flip that on its head, that this could be a stable marriage, but also be founded on a crime, um, and that it could still have lingering, you know, psychosexual ramifications of an unhealthy sort. Um, and these things are could be true at once. It can feel like a lifetime movie and also be a work of art. Yeah, I think that idea of two things can be true at once is something that, like, the minute I saw May December, I was like, oh, people are going to miss the point of this entirely. Like, the idea, like, you walk into this movie, it's like, who is the predator? Who is the prey? Who is in the wrong? Who is in the right? And the entire point of the movie is that you get to the end and you're like, nobody, everyone's a flawed human being because that is how people work. Um, And that's what makes the movie fascinating. It makes it, like... You have a pit in your stomach as you're watching this unfold, but you also cannot wait to see what happens next because we are a tabloid culture. And it's so not finger wacky about either side of that in a way that I think Todd Haynes is not the only person who can do, but is like so uniquely suited to telling the story in this exact way. And like, I don't want to straw man argument like Gen Z sex negative people, but like, do it. No. I knew it would drive people crazy, but I feel like a lot of people are getting it too. Like, it's not, it's not a hard movie to wrap your head around, really. No. But it gets well, richer the more you think about it also. Well, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, to... but social media amplifies uh, the most polarizing <laughs> well well and, and hostile voices. So, Dave, It's a hard saying? movie to wrap your head around if you want there to be like a solid rock foundation where you could come out of the movie and have an opinion about the story and have that opinion be right. Because... Well, that's a, I was kind of going to ask you, do you think that 
Haynes is really like uncovering something or making a grand point about the Mary Kay Letourneau situation. Is there really mm-hmm. anything to say about that, or is that not necessarily the point? Do people go in expecting some sort of revelation, condemnation there, and then not get that because the movie is really not about that? It's well, just bouncing I think off this extremely lurid, it, it controversial to- tabloid. Moment. It is a means to an end, uh, I, I think. Uh, I mean, you'd have to ask Sammy Birch, you know, what most enthralled her about writing the script. But I feel like this is a movie about reinvention uh, for the most part, you know, to go back to the butterfly metaphor, which is a little bit more complicated than people have given it credit for. But I think that, like, it, it's like, can you start over? Um, are we sort of, you know, is that why it's so dangerous to prey on people in their formative years uh, when they only have this one opportunity to sort of become they're meant to be and that can be hijacked derailed by adults with malicious intention um you know i i I think the way that i wrote about it in my review was talking about how a clean slate you know one of the things i love so much about the way this uh, not to give away the ending but to just talk about the film within the film that natalie portman's character is preparing for the entire time is that a clean slate is sort of taken for granted on a film set but almost impossible to come by in real life uh and i think the way that Mary Kay Letourneau would spend the rest of her entire life being, oh, not to Mary Kay Letourneau, I mean, like, you know, she shouldn't be the focus here. Her husband um, is always going to be the guy who was part of the Mary Kay Letourneau scandal, um, and there's just no escaping that is, I think, more close to the heart of what One of my uh, the story favorite story. parts of the movies were actually the kids. Their kids in the, mm. the film are... Yeah, they're really I kept good. doing the math of, like, how close to uh, Joe or the Charles Melton character are they in age? They're basically half, right? Like, they're 18. The whole movie is centered on graduation week. Like, those... Uh, Natalie Portman's character has arrived to do her study while these kids are about to graduate, and we're seeing them about to transition. Can they escape this life that they are in and getting the, all the preparation for graduation how loving gracie is as a mother yet she is taking her daughter out to try dresses on and can't help but jab her for like body issues oh my god that i mean she does the dressing room really, mirror is yeah. unbelievable that she does that to all the kids because she's uh after the the boy twin for like calling him weak and making him drink milk at dinner and shit so that's that's just great. There's a lot of there's a lot of yeah weird unnerving dynamics going on. And, but I thought those kid actors were fantastic um, and adding unexpected dimension to this movie that I just thought was about this trio. And there was just so many more people affected by this and trying to escape the black hole that they've created for themselves. And uh, yeah, there's and then and then David Charles Melton uh, won New York Film Critics Circle for. Best supporting actor. What do we think of the Melton Man? Uh, he he was on uh, Riverdale, and I didn't expect to see him in like a movie with like movie stars. <laughs> I mean, good. I I I think he's excellent in this role. I don't really have an opinion as to whether that could translate into other roles, and this is going to be the start of uh, you know a great new actor or if this is just the case of perfect cast uh, yeah exactly yeah. like someone recognizing the right tool for the job um i'm happy for him either way uh, i mean there's a funny bit in the movie it's not funny well 
in true to this movie, it was I was laughing and then also being like, ew, where they Natalie Portman has a lot of say in the independent film she's about to do, and she's like going through casting tapes of 13-year-olds, and she's like, just not hot enough. Like I won't <laughs> fuck yeah. them. Yeah. I'm like, oh my so god. Funny. But then I'm like, but then I'm like, oh, Charles Melton is hot. I guess you would fuck him if he was 13. Wait, this movie is sick. <laughs> what am I thinking? Um <laughs> just a very strange sequence. Uh, but yeah, Melton is there to be a stud, I guess, on on some level, and and just trapped in this relationship. Yeah, but he's so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Um, you know, there's there's a really heartbreaking moment where he's talking to his son, and you can feel him. And maybe he even says something to this effect. I think he does, uh, talking about how worried he is about he he thinks they're bonding, but maybe he's creating yeah. a bad. I don't know memory. if we're connecting or if I'm yeah. creating a traumatic memory for you in yeah. real time. And like, you know, you really feel in that moment, the trauma that being the everything about this relationship that has come to define his life has left with him um, and how it continues to echo uh, across all the various versions of him that he becomes. Because whether, you know, it stops sort of reinvention, but we are constantly becoming new versions of ourselves as life goes on, you know, most dramatically going from not being a parent to being a parent in his case. and uh yeah i mean i think he does a really beautiful job of feeling like a real person with agency and will but also like a hunched stunted child um his body language conveys that um it feels like his body continues to grow but he was sort of emotionally paralyzed at a certain age and the movie definitely explores that with his relationship with Natalie Portman's character uh i think it's really it's really beautiful work i would i tend to think that any actor capable of this level of expression is is you know talented beyond what the role could devise. Yeah, and if it weren't for good... if it weren't for like the Riverdale of it all, like the stink of just being in a CW show, <laughs> like a zillion other people were, uh, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. Um, I mean, his looks because he is he is like a very pronounced handsomeness to him. Um, it's like in a sort of matinee, like a strikingly matinee idol way. But he's so um, droopy in this movie; like he almost never gets to be. Truly handsome because yeah. he's so destroyed by everything that's happened. That's the point. He gained he gained weight for this so he could be as as he's called it, uh, you know, middle aged thick. And I'm like, I <laughs> lost my mind at his uh, at his reaction to one line in the movie that I'm trying not to deflate too much, but uh, that's what grown ups do is uttered in this movie and. Boy, howdy. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's man. that's the climax point of the movie for yeah. me. I mean, I know there's more movies. Literally, after that. on some level. Hey, d- hey, now, Patches. No, hey. I'm just making you uncomfortable with laughs so you can think about it later. Mm-hmm. This is the Tom Haynes podcast. I mean, that was like the most clarifying moment for the Joe character and the Elizabeth character uh, for me in terms of really what they were at in terms of this movie. I don't know if I got that clarifying of a moment with the Gracie character. I think Julianne Moore is doing something really interesting in this movie, um, but I don't know that I could pinpoint doing exactly. A doing a list. I don't know if I could pinpoint exactly what the interesting thing is. Maybe it's the lisp. Well, like Natalie Portman often has a lisp, and I, this is something that Charita I think pointed out is that like as Julianne Moore takes the lisp, and then Natalie Portman doesn't have it, but as she's starting to become her character, she takes on the lisp, and they meet in the middle. Uh, Good movie, you guys. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I enjoyed more in a second. Go watch, watch this movie. I encourage you to watch it a second time. Always listen to what uh, the tour group is saying in the background when they're outside. Oh, fucking hilarious! 
Uh, and this is a movie like I saw it on the screen. I'm glad I did. But like watch it on Netflix. Like I, just don't don't overthink it. Just see this movie. Right. But turn the lights off. Yeah. yeah. Like when, enjoy it. Give it the respect it deserves. But like, when you're like, this has too much grain in the sunlight. Don't worry. You'll get over it. <laughs> That's just what the South looks like. You guys, you didn't know that. <laughs> just so grainy. That does it for this week's show. We'll be back next week. I think we already decided we're going to talk about poor things because it is uh, Oscar movie and screener season and we've seen Ooh, stuff. What's, what's Gen Z going to think about poor things? Oh, man. If you thought the <laughs> sex was complicated in May, December, just you wait. Uh, so we'll talk about that. In the meantime, tell the people who you are. I'm Matt Patches, executive editor over at Polygon. I'm on Blue Sky... Letterbox, as I said, I'm divesting from X. Uh, it's all Mr. Patches across the sites. We have a website, fightinginthewarroom.com, where you can listen to. Uh, probably, we probably talked about Carol a few times. Sure. I mean, my film. God, I feel like you David talked about Carol nonstop for a couple of years there. <laughs> Two years. Uh, yeah, fightinginthewarroom.com. Go way back and listen to all the Todd Haynes podcasts. Uh, I'm David Ehrlich. I would be horrified to listen back to our Carol podcast, but no, uh, you stand firm in your opinions. I mean, I <laughs> no, my opinion is unwavering. That's not the problem. It's how I uh, articulated it that I'm concerned about. <laughs> but uh, still, Carol, Carol holds up for all eternity. There is no doubt about that in my mind, uh, and it does my heart so good uh, as a Todd Haynes fan beyond Carol to see. Him, continue to get his flowers and uh, to see people so animated about a new one of his films, particularly after Wonderstruck and Deepwater, didn't strike quite the same chord. Uh, so that's fun. Anyway, you can find me on uh, X, <laughs> David Ehrlich. Find me on Letterboxd at David Ehrlich. Uh, Instagram at David Ehrlich. Blue Sky at who fucking knows. Um, <laughs> if you want to watch the my conversation with Wes Anderson that I shamelessly name dropped early in this. Uh, uh, I mean, I guess name drop would be like if he and I were friends and I was just like, hey, I was texting my buddy Wes about Roald Dahl. Uh, I was paid to speak to him for work as part of a Netflix promotional effort um, to get him a Oscar. Uh, but I think that conversation is going to be available somewhere. I don't know if you care about that thing. You can think it out. What am I talking about? Find all of us on iTunes. Leave us a review or sponsor us. If you don't do one of those two things, we are going to talk about Marvel Snap again for five minutes, and you're not going to like it. And we'll talk shit about you. Yeah, that's true. No. Uh, and you could you could email us at fitwr.podcast at gmail.com. I'm Dave Gonzalez. You could find me at DA7E on most social things, or Grumpy DA7E if it's owned by Meta. Uh, but also, I alluded at the very top of the podcast, Trial by Content's doing a holiday movie trial royale, which means every week that in December... Not only will I be doing a podcast with these fine people, but I'm watching uh, four holiday movies and debating with Joanna and Neil. So check that out. See what the top holiday movie is by the end of the year. I'm Kitty Rich. I'm at Vanity Fair on Little Gold Men talking in much more detail about the Indie Spirit Awards. Uh, talking about the Golden Globes. The Golden Globe nominations are next week, you guys. Aren't we all hyped? <coughs> I'm going to cough while Dave woos at me. Um, you can find me on... Um, Twitter still some, Blue Sky also some at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-I-C-H. We're all on both of those places at F-I-T-W-R, where uh, you're welcome to share your hot takes about May, December, or you can answer this week's lightning round question, which was? 
In honor of the Love Actually limited theatrical re-release, what holiday movie needs an expedited December re-release? Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.